Hey guys, welcome along to episode 46 on Friday the 11th of March and today on the podcast we are going to be finding out all about CSUN next week and one particular company that is going to be showing up, showing off all their wares and also an accessible escape room. Oh yeah. You're listening to Blind Guy Talks Tech, your daily accessible tech podcast. Now, here's that blind guy himself, Stephen Scott. That's me. Hi, guys. Welcome to it then. Uh, yes, CSUN is here next week. Well, I say here. It's wherever CSUN is. It's not where I am, I'll tell you that. Uh, Matt Ater is going to be there, though, from Vispero, and he joins me here on the podcast. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm doing great, Stephen. How are you doing today? I'm doing, I don't know why I'm shouting, to be honest. I mean, you know, you're well, on you know, Zoom, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you want to <laughs> shout because you from the rooftops, right? Well, yes, I do. I, I do like shouting from the rooftops, and uh, I am particularly good at it, or not, depending on how you look at it. Uh, but yes, uh, CSUN is back, 14th to 18th of March, and uh, you're going to be there with Vispero. Uh, first off, for those who don't know, especially here in the UK, right, we're always like, right, what is this CSUN thing? We hear about it all the time, but what is it, Matt? What, what's so special about CSUN? Well, it, it's it's probably, I would consider it the premier conference around assistive technology and accessibility. And when it originally started, it was all about assistive technology because we didn't care about accessibility pre that time frame. I mean, we did, but it wasn't like a known thing. And I think this is what, their 37th year, I think. Um, And the conference, CSUN stands for California State University at Northridge. So it's, it's kind of shortened to just say CSUN. But, you know, if you search that out, you're going to find a university. Mm. Um, it's actually CSUN Center on Disabilities um, Conference, so COD as well. Um, and, you know, you'll find vendors for all forms of assistive technology and accessibility vendors as well. You'll see presentations um, from all the different vendors. And a lot of the big companies used to go, I, th- I think they'll come back in a year. Um, when this one got scheduled, they, they you know, it's, when I say big companies, I'm talking the mainstream companies. Some of those will not be there in force this year. They may, you know, they may have individuals floating around, but, you know, you used to see some of the larger vendors there as well, the Googles, the Microsofts, the Apples, and they would have their own presentations as well going on. Well, I didn't realize they would turn up as well. And and the one thing I did, or one thing I understood a little bit about CSUN was that it was a place where you could get up close and personal with a lot of these guys. And you can actually sit down and talk. I remember a story once about BlackBerry being there and some issue with BlackBerry at the time. And, and you know, there was just a bunch of devs who were there and just sort of figured it all out, you know, at the event and just sort of sent out a system update. It was some story like that. It was just incredible. And it sounds like a really cool event to go to and a real kind of, a real proper networking event. Yeah, and I think that if you, after being two years of being locked up in... um your Zoom studio, <laughs> uh, you you know as well as I do, we kind of want to get back out and see people. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's plenty of virtual conferences going on, but did you ever find yourself totally engaged in a virtual conference? No, because you, you could always do something else or you were I mean, distracted right. by something else. You well, know, the you best part in is the you, moment. Yeah, the best part is you could get up and go to the bathroom and nobody knew unless you left your mic on. Right. I mean, it was a yeah. it is a great way to like, you know, whereas if you get up in the middle of a session, everybody sees you get up and they're like, where is he going? Mm-hmm. But the um, yeah, so there's tons of sessions. There's tons of exhibitors. Um, I would expect that it's a little smaller than 
um, a 2019 version. It'll be bigger than a 2020 version because if you remember, we were kind of going into the week before close down. So in 2020, the conference ended on Friday the 13th, um, which happened to be, hey, we're all going to shut down the country for two weeks and then we'll come back and do real stuff. Yeah, right. Friday 13th, lucky for some. Yeah, yeah. Not for but, many. And, and so <laughs> it's weird because I'm actually flying to Los Angeles on the 13th, which was the day I flew out in 2020. And wow. so I'm going to go right back and on the 14th be back at work at CSUN. So it's kind of a surreal kind of experience because in 2020, you know, we were there in force and there were some other companies that were in force. So a lot of companies who bailed out because, you know, we were just kind of entering that scare mode at that point. Yeah. Um, of the pandemic. And, um, you know, of course, on that Friday, they shut down. So that year, you know, it was definitely a smaller crowd. Our sessions were really well attended. We had some great events and things like that. And we did do an escape room that year. Um, and it was our first time doing an accessible escape room at uh, CSUN. Yeah. It's so funny. I, mean, I was at CES in 2020. And yeah, you same know, here. It was, I know, and it was, wasn't that amazing? The yeah, super right. spreader we, event, We probably. didn't meet at that event, actually. Yeah, I think I met one have. of your colleagues. I think we, yeah. we we probably bumped into each other, literally, at some point. Um, but I don't think we, we spoke. But it was just incredible in the sense that, yeah, it was a super spreader event. It was like, you know, I, I think I personally brought COVID to the UK. You know, I brought it home with me. I mean, I was supposed to bring back some magnets uh, for the fridge and a few other things, but I also brought back a deadly disease for the whole world to enjoy. Um, you can thank me later, guys. But um, yeah, it was it was really just it was ridiculous, and it was only when we got home we realised how big this problem was going to be, um, and the fact that you know this was going to going to shut us all down. And, and there were I remember a lot of question marks over CSUN and what was going to happen, and some real anger in the community as well from people saying this should not be happening. Um, but it was a di- it was so difficult to know what to do, you know. And it's always been and, and until we got the lockdown advice, which was right, that's it, you got to lockdown, that's it, you got to stay in. Um, a lot of people were still thinking, okay, well, look, maybe we can, maybe we can, can beat this some other way. Uh, but anyway, that's our story for another day. Well, let's talk about CSUN. It is now back in a slightly reduced form, as you say, but still it's getting back on its feet again. Uh, Vespero are going to be there in force again, or? Yeah, what? I'd say we're probably, even in, in 2020, we cut the staff in half knowing that there was this coming and there was a lot of fear um, and so this year we will be in force. There's, I, I don't even know the total. I think there may be 40 plus people there from our company. And wow, it's, it's a mix of, you know, three brands, um, you know, across Vespero. So, you know, it gets complicated because we love saying the word Vespero because it's easier to say than mm. Freedom Scientific, Optolec Enhanced Vision and TPGI. Um, but all four of the brands will have representation um, throughout the exhibit hall as well as presentations. So it's pretty exciting. And that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people, I, I am terrible for doing this. I talk about Freedom Scientific. I talk about Vespero. And I tend to wrap it all around Jaws. Of course, you do so much more than that. I mean, you know, tell us for people who, again, who are unaware of this or perhaps only think about Freedom Scientific or Jaws or ZoomText or a single product. What else is you do? Well, so it's interesting. There's it being the fact that there's three brands. It's kind of like they think of them as similar. And I'm talking the three hardware brands, um, being Freedom Scientific, which has both hardware and software, Optelec um, hardware, and Enhanced Vision hardware. And we'll stick to those three right now. But you know, they're focused on blind and low vision tech. And 
if you look at Enhanced Vision and Optelec, they're primarily low vision tech. I would probably say 95% of what they do or 99% is going to be in the low vision tech. And that's video magnifiers is what we call them today. Back in the day, we used to call them CCTVs. And the you know you could have a screen as small as a four inch screen and as large as a twenty seven inch screen. You could have a camera that zooms across the room to watch it you know to see the TV or watch a blackboard at a school, or you could have one that does arts and crafts and you could be looking at medicine bottles. You know you can read newspapers, whatever the 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 stuff is. And it is interesting. The other day I took a picture of my um, CCTV or video magnifier that's in my office, which is a Clearview Go from Optelec. And um, I was pointing out that my color schemes are yellow on blue, and it's not just to support Ukraine, but it's actually, that's <laughs> the one that's easiest for me to see. And mm -hmm. I just found that funny because I was, it reminded me of the, um, if you remember the early gaming systems like the Sega Genesis and stuff like that from the 90s. And I always picked the Ukrainian team, and I finally figured out it's because it was the easiest to see. It didn't mean they were always going to win. But they, it was definitely the easiest to see for my low vision because they were yellow on blue and it was just easier to spot on the field in this uh, playing things like FIFA soccer. It's just kind of funny but about that. But yeah. from a low vision perspective, you know, you think about um, Freedom Scientific also has low vision hardware as well. And, and then when I said that they were kind of like 99% low vision products, then there's the product that's kind of the mix crossover, which is the scan and read systems where you would take a picture of something and it would read it back to you and you could hook up a monitor, but you know, think of somebody who wants to sit in their easy chair and they just want to read the newspaper, the things of that nature. And all three brands have uh, products in that space. And the only difference between, you know, Optelic and Enhanced Vision and Freedom Scientific is that Freedom Scientific has the software products being JAWS, Zoom Text Fusion. They have the Pearl camera, Braille displays and things like that. So it's, if you look at those three companies, think of them as the AT or Assistive Technology Group. Um, within the organization and then there's TPG Interactive which is more the consulting uh, and then they have software that you know tests for accessibility and, and train corporations around accessibility related tasks. Well that gives you a sense of what is coming to CSUN when uh, you guys attend that and we'll find out about what you are going to be showing off. Also I'm really keen to learn more about this uh, accessible escape room. I need you to explain this to me Matt so I'm looking forward to explaining what on earth that is and what it does and how it works because uh, I've never done the escape room thing. Heard a lot of people talk about it but never really got the concept. So looking forward to learning about that. Uh, if you want to get involved with our podcast, please do. You can email us hello at blindguytalkstech.com. You can also get in touch by calling and leaving us a voicemail in the UK on 0204 571 3354. Stick around, lots more to come with Matt Ata from Vespero next. Stay tuned for more as Blind Guy Talks Tech continues. This is an urgent appeal from the Disasters Emergency Committee. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled their homes to escape conflict in Ukraine, leaving jobs, belongings and loved ones behind. They need shelter, food and water. You can help. To donate online, search DEC or text RADIO to 70150 to give £10. Thank you. Welcome back to Blind Guy Talks Tech, your daily accessible tech podcast. 
Add your voice to the discussion. Email hello at blindguytalkstech.com or call and leave us a voicemail on 0204-571-3354. We're back with Matt Ata today. Uh, Matt's been on the show a couple of times already and uh, you've certainly been on a number of my other shows as well like Double Tap TV, Double Tap Canada. You've been all over the place, Matt, with us. You've been everywhere with us. Um, and uh, I'm glad to have you back here on the podcast today. One of our conversations that we had, before we go back to talk about CSUN, one of the conversations we had recently was about the acquisition of Nuance by Microsoft. And this, of course, has been spreading all kinds of questions in the community about eloquence. Now, Matt, last time you were here, I asked the question to you, uh, what's the deal with with Nuance, with eloquence, with uh, you know the fact that this, this Jaws voice, as, as it often becomes known, is you know going to be taken on by Microsoft? Is that something we can we, we get any more knowledge of? Because at the time, you said to me, well, you know, it, it was a different part of the company that wasn't taken over by Microsoft, so therefore eloquence essentially remains as it is, and it still remains part of the Jaws package. Is that still the case, from your knowledge? Yes, and um, so just to just to give a little more clarity around it, I mean, I think Microsoft um, announced their acquisition of Nuance about a I I don't know the exact date, but it was just say a year ago, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range, and I th- actually just think it closed last week. So it takes a while when you're publicly traded companies; it doesn't happen overnight, um, and eventually it happened, and and that's complete. I don't know all the details of what Microsoft purchased, but I do know that they did not get Eloquence in the acquisition because Eloquence was um, spun off by uh, Nuance several years ago to a company called Seance, and and I may be pronouncing it slightly wrong, but they are a company who does voices and things of that nature, and they were spun off, and and that's where Vocalizer Expressive exists now. It's no longer called Vocalizer Expressive on their branding. They left that branding with Nuance when Nuance um, acquired uh, or sold that that division off. So um, Seance makes other voices, which we incorporate into our software. We still call them Vocalizer Expressive and Vocalizer Voices, and then, of course, uh, Eloquence as well. It's amazing, isn't it, how many people are fascinated and still want the Eloquence voice across their products. You know, it's like people who say, I want, I want Eloquence on my iPhone. And it's like, I get it. I do get it. I mean, I want Fiona on my iPhone. And that is a voice that you can get on the Mac and I can't get it on my iPhone. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's so weird, isn't it, how people seem to still love Eloquence. And yet look at what narrator's doing at the moment with these new voices that are coming through. And, you know, it's really interesting to hear these much clearer, more real voices coming through. And this is becoming a trend. Uh, Yet people go back to that classic voice. I mean, is it just because it is the best voice for doing things quickly, for, you know, speeding through work? So I think there's there's, uh, multiple reasons that people get comfortable with one uh, to a voice. But I and I think the majority of it is that we're all longtime screen reader users who've been used to using something a certain way. And the responsiveness of eloquence is just unmatched today. It doesn't mean that down the road, you're not going to see newer ones become more responsive. And I think I've heard some demonstrations and seen the new Microsoft ones. And some people say they're adequate enough, which that may be the case. Um, I think as we see a younger crowd come in and start using things like, you know, their iPhone was the first screen reader they used um, or, or some other tool, 
they're going to be more comfortable with those more modern voices. And then people are going to have to adjust and say, okay, do I use the vocalizer ones? Do I use the Microsoft voices? You know, so I think that that'll come over time and we may see an uptick on it. Um, but, you know, when we look at statistics, it's more like 70% of the people still use eloquence oh, wow. um, and, in the screen reader space today. That's, that's very interesting. But of course, you know, for many people, JAWS is a tool for work uh, or a tool at work. Uh, I mean, I know you've got lots of home users as well, don't get me wrong, but you, you know, a lot of people do use it in the workplace. And I found myself, eloquence was the best voice for the workplace for getting stuff done. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a tale as old as time. People love to get in touch and talk about their favourite voices. It's one of my favourite topics sometimes as well. But anyway, let's drift on because I want to talk about uh, CSUN and uh, you guys being there. So uh, you, you outlined for us earlier what is what is Vispero. What are you going to be showing at CSUN then? So we'll have some new hardware um, that came out earlier, uh, late last year, that a lot of people hadn't seen yet, called a um, Ruby uh, 10. And so that's a larger video magnifier. Um, that's mostly on that side. And then on the, the, uh, on the hardware side, there's also some new foldable video magnifiers that came out about a year ago, but again, people hadn't seen them. On the low vision um, uh, and speech uh, screen reading side, on the software side, you know, we'll be, uh, Eric will be doing demonstrations of new features in JAWS, Zoom Text, and Fusion. Uh, that have either come out recently or even some of the features that, you know, it's part about discoverability for users about finding these new features. So it's kind of getting re-engaged with people and doing presentations. And then we will slip in some stuff that's going to show up in April that we're pretty excited about. And, mm. you know, after that presentation, you know, in a week or so, you and I should talk back and I can share a little bit more. But I think it's some new exciting stuff that'll come in April that we're pretty psyched about as well for JAWS and Fusion. So, and that's more around the screen reading uh, features. So that's that's on that side. And then on um, the rest of the company is, has, you know, um, a bunch of presentations around accessibility. There'll be some on the kiosk solutions, which we've talked about before. Uh, McDonald's will be there um, presenting with uh, Vespero and, and TPG Interactive on on the McDonald's kiosk solution, there will actually be a McDonald's kiosk there you can test out and, and use. And um, the, the the presentations will be pretty broad in terms of, you know, anything from learning about uh, things around CSS to the, the built-in tools to the computer for testing for accessibility to uh, the new JAWS Connect feature for corporations to incorporate into their websites and so on. Wow. You've got so much to show. I mean, it's it's incredible. And uh, I think there's like 20 presentations, roughly, or something like wow. that, over the four days. So it's a lot. And and that McDonald's news is amazing as well. I mean, that is that is just so exciting for people that you know. It's just it's in some ways it's just that simple thing of hey, do you know what? Fancy McDonald's? Yeah, we can go in, but we can go and get food and we can order it ourselves, and we don't have to have someone with us. Um, you know, if I'm blind, I can go in on my own. It just, it makes things more independent. You can peruse the menu. It's all that stuff, you know, because oftentimes I remember years ago going into somewhere like that and I'd always buy the same thing. I always used to say whenever I went to a restaurant, I'd just have a burger, always the burger, because you always knew they'd have a burger and you'd have to worry about anything else. And maybe they, you, you'd get some options around the burger the the server would suggest to you. But essentially that was it, right? And um, it meant you didn't have to worry about what was in the menu because you couldn't see it or, you know, you'd spend the rest of your life trying to read it in Braille or, you know, get your phone to read it for you or whatever. Uh, so, no, really cool stuff, really cool stuff. Now, you've got the accessible escape room, 
what is, and forgive me for asking this because I sound like somebody's other granddad here, but what is an escape room, Matt? I, I don't get this concept. Well, I, I love this question. I, um, the, it, the first time I went to an escape room was with my daughter and her um, uh, friends for her birthday. And I got to the event. We, we paid our way in $30 a person to sit down and, and experience the escape room. And you, the concept of people are fearful that you get locked in a room. And the concept mm. in, in theory is that you go into a room. It doesn't mean you get locked in. Um, and it's a, you know, it, depending on the theme, it's, you know, from a conference room size room to whatever. And you have tasks you have to do that give you clues to find your way out or to, to solve the puzzles. And so find your way out is just a term, I guess, depending on the escape room that, that is the concept behind it. But in reality, you're just solving puzzles. And so that puzzle may be, um, something that is, you know, something tactile. Um, it could be something that's very visual. And the first one I went to was totally not accessible. So I paid $30 to sit, <laughs> you know, I didn't get a chance to really participate. And it, I always referred to it as kind of like going to a movie without audio description. It's mm -hmm. a paid, it's a paid nap and I'm okay with paid naps, by the way. Okay. If I get, well, me too. If, if it's 10, $15 for me to take a two hour nap, that's actually not a bad deal if you think about it, because who else, who, how often do you get a nap? And so, um, but for an escape room, it's not like you have a bed to lay down on or a comfortable chair. You know, that's if it's not accessible, you can't participate. And so everybody else is having fun around you and you're not having fun. So the puzzles could be something like, um, uh, maybe it's a computer puzzle and you have to solve it with the group but it may be connected to something else in the room. So you can't necessarily just solve the puzzle by looking at one thing. Mm. You have to explore around the room. And so some of the challenges we're faced with is that a padlock, like we you know, grew up with that was part of your locker at school, was like turn to this number, then turn back to this number, then turn to this number. That's not an accessible padlock. And so you know, we incorporated... Um, padlocks that are directional padlocks we incorporated padlocks that are um, push button numbers and so the clues will help you get one of those codes to unlock a padlock as an example now this makes sense to me now because I, i'll be honest i thought an escape room was just a room that you had to get out of and i thought this is this is easy because you know if the idea is they fill it with smoke or they fill it with something and you got to navigate your way out of it a blind person's just going to walk straight back to the door walk out and say there we go that was great fun thanks for 30 thanks for asking me to spend 30 dollars on that um but obviously it's a bit more than that <laughs> yeah and i it's and you know think about it that you have a time limit now because of accessibility if somebody says they may take longer, we would extend the time limit. We're not, you know, accessibility is kind of like we're taking all the themes of WCAG and other things, uh, ADA related tasks into consideration when designing the escape room so that, so that um, people with disabilities can complete the tasks. Now, it doesn't mean that every task meets all accessibility guidelines because we, you know, we're trying to figure out how we can share across guidelines. So you may find ones that, I'll give an example, we may have um, a, uh, a, a device like an Alexa in the room which meets all 
guidelines, so it, it an Alexa show, so it not only speaks, it has a touch screen, it has a keyboard on screen for somebody who's deaf and hard of hearing who can't speak to it, um, and it shows captions of what it says. Now, that meets all of the guidelines if, if put on the right table height, mm. okay? Then, then you move on to something else and say, well, this, because of the nature of it being a... Um, a certain type of device, maybe it it only meets three of the disability categories. And part of it is that you're in there as a group, so you should have other people who can participate and share within the experience to solve the puzzle. So ultimately, we like to have every puzzle be covered by all disability categories. And an example, a couple of years ago, we had an easy button in the escape room. Well, Mm. the easy button, when you pressed it, said something out loud. Well, a person who's deaf and hard of hearing would not have heard that. Can't hear that, yeah. Now, in our web version of it, because we turned that into a virtual escape room, we were able to put captions on the screen when the button was pressed. And so there's a, there's ways to kind of tackle that that are different in a, in a virtual world that you couldn't have done in the physical room. And there's other things we can't do, like I can't hide socks underneath the couch because somebody in a wheelchair can't crawl underneath the couch to look for them. I can't put stuff in the light fixture. You know, and escape rooms have themes. So, you know, the one from two years ago was a spy theme. This year it's a casino theme. And so, you know, the idea around this one is you've got to collect five um, poker chips. And those five poker chips will unlock something and you're done. And mm. that's the you know the concept behind it, which is a lot of fun. Um, and you collect the poker chips by doing other tasks in the room. Um, you don't get them for free, okay? Um, so it's 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 a fun experience for um, somebody who's never done an escape room. It's also a learning experience for people who uh, are learning. You know, we've taken this to corporations and done them as kind of a learning exercise around accessibility and disability, and that's fun. Um, and so corporations kind of engage with us on this to bring it there for like a learning and, and education experience. In fact, we did, we did these for McDonald's on world usability day for all of their designers and we did it as a virtual escape room. So there's different ways to attack it. Sounds brilliant. It sounds like a lot of fun. And you said this is online as well. So if you can't get to CSUN, you can still play along. Yeah, not the, not the, um, it's not open to anybody you have to schedule it um the, right. there's a virtual version of the one from 2020 there's not a virtual one of the casino one yet because we haven't built it yet we do, this is the first um kind of public use of it physical side and then we have to then hire developers and set them in a mm. room and say now you have to turn this casino game into and you know there's five or six games in the room you got to cons- you know turn all of those into something that can you know, complete the, ch- the challenges. The, um, I'll give you an example of an escape room in, in, uh, at another, uh, facility, a physical, f- um, escape room facility that I, I, uh, went and explored. And it was a, um, an escape room that was, you got, you went in the room and it was basically the inside of an airplane. Oh, wow. They had gone to a scrap yard and got all the overhead compartments. They got all the seats and they built it as if you're sitting on an airplane, but you have to get out before the airplane crashes. <laughs> Jeez. Now that's that that's a that's a level of anxiety that a lot of people probably can't play with. Uh-huh. Now, granted, it's you're in a room that's stationary; it's not going anywhere. But just the concept of crashing planes just yeah. doesn't set well with people. Um, 
but it had the 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 loo as you would call it they had the uh, cockpit um and all of these things are sitting around the escape room and and there's obviously tasks within it that you had to solve so it's kind of that just gives you a, a concept around it and i have no clue because i stayed out of that room i Saw it. I said, "I'm not playing this game," and walked right out. Mm, that's I don't fancy that one. <laughs> too too, too yeah. anxiety driven for me. But that's the joy, right? And and you know the point is you want the choice. You want to be able to do it, and if you can do it accessibly, then that's that's great. And that's what it's all about. So, uh, where will people find you if they're going to see Sun? Where do they find you specifically? Me personally, God help us. Um, so <laughs> so the Vespero presentation room is called Platinum Five. Um, the Vespero booths are booths 503, 603, and 703. So there's three um, booths right when you walked in the hall. I'm not sure what the name of that um, hall is, but uh, you can see us in there. And then the, um, I'm trying to think of some other, and then the escape room, you have to sign up. And you can go to accessibleescaperoom.org and you can see schedule and sign up there. Oh, brilliant. Well, uh, I'm not going to get out this year, Matt, but I will try and get out maybe next year. That would be cool. Or we do the virtual one with you and your friends. I mean, it'd be fun. I think know? I think that would be a good idea. Now, I will say yeah. Sean uh, is uh, an NVDA user. That, uh, yeah, that's okay. Please hold that against him. We, we put extra traps in the escape room for NVDA users <laughs> that they can't solve. They'll need a JAWS user to help them. Oh, just, wouldn't that be so kidding. cool? That would, it be would be hilarious. It would be, it would be funny, but it's not true. It's, it's not um, ideal, no. no. It's not true. <laughs> You'll get letters, Matt. It may say something like, well, you should have bought JAWS. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Never mind that, NVDA. Uh, listen, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, do come back soon. I'm really intrigued to hear what you were saying about uh, what's coming up in April. Uh, so we will definitely circle back with you and check in with you on that. And uh, hey, we may even contact you during the uh, event as well and maybe you can give us a sense of what that escape room is like or talk us through the uh, the stands and the exhibit hall you've got there so i look forward to it matt thanks so much for coming on to blind guy talks tag that's it for our show today we're back again tomorrow catch you then If you want even more Blind Guy in your life, visit blindguytalkstech.com for previous episodes. Find us on your podcast apps or ask Lady A or Lady G to play Blind Guy Talks Tech Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.